Welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potts, your host, a visual arts teaching artist. Rachel Petricelli had some great wisdom to share around technology and fundraising. We recorded this episode in February, before we were even aware of the pandemic that has now made technology such a vital part of teaching and learning. Rachel recently finished her master's in instructional technology and has been incorporating augmented reality into her lessons, as well as teaching students to photograph their own work for their online portfolios. Did you know Class Dojo now has a portfolio option? So cool! Rachel also shares her favorite fundraiser options for art teachers and what she loves about them. Rachel Petruccelli is a teaching artist at an elementary school in Georgia and has been teaching grades pre-K through fifth for five years. Her passion is to teach art because it is a part of her whole being, and she wants to instill a love and appreciation for it in all people. She graduated from the University of Georgia with a BFA in art education and recently graduated with her master's in education for instructional technology at Kennesaw State University. Rachel likes to incorporate technology into her art lessons by having students use iPads to upload their artwork to their digital portfolios, create animations and videos. In college, her favorite mediums were ceramics and jewelry and metalwork but now she enjoys painting after work or on the weekends. Art has always been her inspiration and motivation in life, and she wants to continue to share this inspiration. She aspires to be a teacher who is exciting, inspirational, and expands opportunities for students. Hi, welcome, Rachel Petruccelli. Hey. I like to just start off with hearing a bit of background. How did you become a teacher? An artist did sort of one come first? I've always considered myself an artist since I was a kid. I was one of those kids who didn't really like sports. I signed up for a lot of extra art classes and camps on the weekends and summers. But I loved all my art teachers growing up. They were always my favorite ones, all the way from elementary to college. And I come from a family of educators. Uh, My mom's a school counselor. My grandma was a principal. Uh, my aunt's a teacher. My sister-in-law is a teacher. So we've got a lot of teachers in our family. Yeah. And that kind of pushed me to pursue teaching. So whenever I first applied to college, I wasn't really sure what to declare my major as. So I declared it as early childhood education first. And I started my undergrad at Georgia State University and went ahead and knocked out all my core classes. And I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to study. And I really realized that I missed taking my art classes. And it had been two years since I had taken any from high school. So I signed up for 2D and 3D art and as an elective. And then once I started taking more art classes, I changed my major to art studio. 
But about three years into that, I decided I needed a change of scenery. So I moved from Atlanta to Athens and transferred to the University of Georgia and changed my major to art education. So it kind of combined the two yeah. and ended up studying art education. And my favorite classes there were ceramics and jewelry and metalworking. So I guess you could say that I enjoyed 3D art more than 2D, but now I find myself making more 2D art in my spare time. So yeah, it's interesting that back and forth. Yeah, right. How it changes over time. Yeah. And it was really hard going into college trying to figure out what exactly you want to do. Because I was like, I know I want to do something with art, but yeah, also want to follow teaching. So I I was glad that there was art education and I could do both. Yeah, that's amazing. And do you feel like the two, your art sort of informs your, your own art making informs your teaching? and vice versa, like the teaching changes your art practice at all? Yeah, I think I feel like I'm inspired a lot of times by my students and my art making Mm -hmm. because of their creativity. I'm always striving for the way that children have creativity and working with kids all day. It just really helps me not take myself so seriously and to remember not to be so hard on myself when making my own artwork. For example, I'm always telling my students it's okay to make mistakes and try to work with them through it on problem solving skills and how to fix a mistake rather than just crumbling up your paper and throwing it away and starting over. Right. So anytime I'm painting now, especially with watercolor, I'm trying to do the same thing. I I always try to like remind myself what I tell the kids all day and tell myself that and try to um, fix my mistakes and keep working through it and keep pushing through. And I've kind of found that a lot with my students' work and how I teach them. So it kind of overflows into my own artwork. Right. Sometimes it's really hard to take your own advice. Yeah. And I always (laughs) tell them you're always your hardest critic. Right. And (laughs) like when they think that they didn't do a good job and everyone around them is saying they did, I find myself being my toughest critic too. So I've always got to remind myself like the things I'm teaching my kids also take it personally too for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I have a poster up in my classroom that I keep saying I need to put in my own studio, which is like my second bedroom that says perfect is the enemy of done. Oh, I like that. Like just finish it. Because that's, that's such a struggle. Especially <laughs> kindergarten through second grade. At the beginning of the year, I introduce them to the book, Beautiful Oops. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote in there. It says, when you think you've made a mistake, think of it as an opportunity to make something beautiful. I've got a poster of that quote hanging up in my room that I refer to a lot. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's beautiful. My four-year-old loves that book and I've used it with the little ones yeah. too. It's great. And I would also say when you ask vice versa with the art making and forming my teaching, yeah. I would say making my own art helps me really teach lessons better, especially when I make a sample before starting a project and just kind of seeing the steps that I need to explain and thinking about what kind of questions might come up or what challenges the kids might face. So it's always good for me to do the project myself before starting it, because one time I think I did take a project off Pinterest and try it without trying it first, like just went ahead and taught it and then realized I was like, I don't even know how to draw this. So yeah, (laughs) but also just coming home from teaching and making art for myself and my own time just helps me like decompress from all the stress from that day. It helps me relax and take moments of creativity that my students showed that day into my own paintings and really just using what 
their work to inspire me as well. Yeah, it's a nice, almost using it as like a form of therapy. Yes, definitely. And I definitely find myself with my art making, that's more what I do it for, (laughs) rather than um, like producing things to sell online. And I do it more for me. Yeah. Would you ever like, do you want to eventually be selling it and showing it and all of that? Or do you want to just keep it as like, Um, this is my sort of thing, my personal thing? Eventually, I once sold my artwork online, like on an Etsy shop. And I had some pieces of pottery that I'd thrown in college. The pottery wheel was my favorite thing. And I sold some pieces at a local art shop called the Dizzy Gypsy. It, it's in Lawrenceville. and Oh, nice. I did sell some there, but I found that I'd rather just make things for like me and my friends. I have sold some paintings to friends. Yeah. They offered to pay for them. I was like, I will give them to you, but <laughs> they really wanted to pay me for yeah. them. And I've done a couple pet portraits, but... I think opening up a shop online would probably be too stressful for me. I don't think I would have the time to do all the like yeah. custom orders and things like that. So I really just do it for me right. and more almost as an art therapy. Yeah. And I was noticing I saw on your blog the clay bobbleheads that you do with kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those are so adorable and just like such a good idea. Well, thank you. That's my favorite project to do with um, fifth grade. And I let them choose whatever kind of animal or person or character they want to make so because great. by fifth grade, they've gone over all the different art techniques on yeah. how to make a slab, which you, they usually need for the base of the mm-hmm. bobblehead, how to make a pinch pot, which is for the the head and then coils for like arms and legs. And so they pretty much know all those techniques by then. And so I kind of have a little more choice in the project and letting them do their own thing. Yeah, it's a great way to put all those techniques together and let them make something that's just adorable that they'll hopefully want to keep for a long time. Yeah, and they definitely look forward to it. I mean, all year, fifth grade's been asking me, when are we going to make the clay bobbleheads? And (laughs) we'll get to them soon once I'm done with all the other grades. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, it's coming. (laughs) Yes, it is coming. But it's definitely something they look forward to. And I know you said ceramics was sort of your passion at one point and you were kind of debating getting back to it and trying to kind of figure out logistics of getting back to it. Do you feel like the clay work you do with kids sort of satisfies that? Or I think so. Do you still want to try to get your own? I just I wish I had a pottery wheel so I could still throw on the wheel. That was very therapeutic for me as well. And my friend just got a pottery wheel. She keeps it at her house. So we've been kind of having pottery parties at her house. And I've been getting to throw some on the weekend. But I think maybe just one day, eventually having like an art studio space to be able to do that. I don't think I would have room at this job to have a pottery wheel. I currently teach uh, pre-K through fifth grade art at an elementary school. It's a public school in DeKalb County. And it's just, it's pretty crowded with all what we have in the room already. And I'm not sure how I would use a pottery wheel with elementary students. But I think one day I want to go towards more of teaching high school ceramics. If that job opening comes around, right? I would love to. And then be able to like do my own art on the side and teaching clay at the same time. I would love that. Yeah, that's like a good goal to kind of look towards. Yeah, but I do love the little ones. So oh. I don't think I'm ready to make that transition yet. But I do see 
myself in the future probably going more towards teaching high school. Yeah. Have you always taught elementary, even like student teaching? Uh, student teaching, it was broken up to, I think we did eight weeks in an elementary school and then another eight weeks yeah. and you had the choice between middle school or high school. So I did get that experience of teaching high schoolers then, okay. even though it was only eight weeks, but it was really, it was enjoyable for me. I just didn't see myself doing it fresh out of college. So I've been teaching for five years. Right now at elementary and I might teach a couple more and then make that transition. I don't think I could teach middle school. Yeah. I just, I, don't, I think it takes a special person <laughs> to teach that age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're so, yeah, they're going through so many changes oh, themselves. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But I see that struggle to teach high school straight out of college when you feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not that much older than you. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's like, it. But I think once yeah. I decide to start a family, I am married and I've been married for about four years. And yeah. once I decide to have children myself, I think I want to be in a high school because I think it will be almost less draining. I feel very exhausted by the end of the day, uh -huh. teaching 100 kids a day and back to back classes. Oh, wow. and I've heard from some other teachers that making that step was crucial for them and their family and all of that. So. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking of doing that. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably also just a different energy with if you have your own little ones at home, and you're with little ones all day, it can be a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't yeah. even imagine doing that. And then seeing all these other art teachers who do their like side business on the side and actually are selling their art and putting in these orders and like with Etsy shops and whatnot. And it's just, right. um, I don't know how they balance it all. I'm having a hard time trying to find time each week to make at least one painting. That's kind of my goal. Yeah. So just carving out a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit of time each week. And I finished my master's this last summer. I, I decided to go and get my master's in instructional technology. Yeah. It's nothing related to art at all, but I did it kind of as a backup plan. And I've always been really into teaching other teachers how to use technology in their classroom. So I decided to do this yeah. just in case one day I do want to get out of the classroom and go that route. But right. I still got uh, bumped up in the pay scale, even though I'm still teaching art. So I'm not planning on leaving yeah. art altogether. It was tough doing grad school and working at the same time. It was all online. So that was good. Yeah. Because <laughs> at Kennesaw State University and it was two years and those two years, I did not make any time to make my own art or do anything with personal artwork. And it was, uh, I realized after I graduated, I really needed to start setting side of time each week to do it because it was going two years without making something not for my classroom was <laughs> too long. Uh, so it's really been a goal of mine to start doing it at least once a week. noticed also that you were incorporating maybe stuff that you learned during that master's using like augmented reality and other technologies in your work in your in your classroom. Yes. Was that through the master's program or was that just kind of your own thing? Well, some of it was class assignments, like you had to come up with a project uh -huh. that had technology integrated into it. And so uh -huh. for me in that program, I was the only art teacher in the program oh, and wow. it was kind of hard to apply 
verbalize some of the assignments, but I was always able to find a way. Sometimes it would be on virtual field trips and I would have to do some research and figure out what apps have anything related to art that would. And I did. I found Google Arts and Culture and you can actually go into museums and do all of that. And I I started off with 10 iPads in my classroom and we shared devices and I applied for some grants, which was actually an assignment during grad school. They wanted you to apply for a real grant for technology for your classroom. And I ended up getting it. And now I have a whole class set of iPads. And my whole capstone project was related to online digital portfolios. And so I really started adopting that in my classroom and animation apps. So I do feel like the instructional technology, I was able to incorporate it into my classroom and still use it. So it was very helpful. I don't feel like it was a waste of time at all and not something I'm going to pursue. I used everything I learned and found a way to apply it to art. And it's been really, it's actually really helped encourage me to come up with more engaging and creative lessons. Yeah. And kind of step out of my comfort zone. So I've really felt like that program was very helpful. Right. And it seems like it would be just very exciting for the kids. I mean, they're so tapped into technology today and it just looked so cool to see, like, see their drawings kind of pop out into this 3D, like, space or the idea of having, you know, the portfolio online that then they can see and keep and their parents can see. All of that just seems totally related and useful and like a really good use of that time, even though you were busy and not able to make your own work then. Yeah, it was really neat that I was able to incorporate it. And I'm I'm really inspired by a lot of art teachers online who do like the whole STEAM approach and mm-hmm. TAB, the teaching artistic behavior and yeah. the way they go about including those things in their classroom. Because I feel like technology does offer more choice-based learning a lot of times. Right. And you can also incorporate like other subjects with it and um, so it's been it's been a real switch. My first two years, the only technology I was using was the uh, document camera in my room right. to do demonstrations <laughs> and the smart board for like presentations. But I was never having the kids actually using technology. So that's been a whole learning process. But it's been really neat to have them get excited to upload their project. We use Class Dojo for portfolios and they upload it and their parents get to see it. And it's been great because a lot of times I have to hold on to artwork for art shows or hallway displays. So their parents still get to see the work, even though they're not taking it home that day. And it's it's just really neat. And it also has a lot of built-in tools that they can record their voice and record their artist statement or um, label things. They can make videos and they just get really excited about it. That's really cool. Do you connect with the class dojo that the teacher, the classroom teachers create, or do you have your own that you have to set up for all of your kids? (laughs) So I just connect (laughs) to the ones that are already made. Yeah, that's great. I was like, I don't know how you're doing this. (laughs) Yeah. And they connect all the specialists. My first year in grad school, I was originally going to do seesaw mm-hmm. portfolios and I set up all the classes oh. and I had all the teachers connect to that. And I realized it's a lot easier if you just train the teachers how to make their own right. class dojo and then have them connect to you and all the other specialists. And it's worked out so much better. That's great. And class dojo is free. The seesaw didn't work out because 
uh, the reason I set them all up was I was a Seesaw ambassador. And so I got to make multiple classes. I think if you have the free version, you can only make up to five classes. Uh, But I had the premium version for being, uh, I went through the ambassador program and it expired. And I was still planning on becoming an ambassador. And my principal at the time was going to pay for the Seesaw for Schools subscription. But when Class Dojo came out with the portfolio feature, we switched to that because it's free and (laughs) it doesn't require a subscription. I think it's a lot easier to use, but some teachers use Artsonia, which I've seen, which is also kind of a fundraiser. It's like online portfolios and they can sell items with their kids' artwork printed on it. So I thought that was pretty neat. I've never tried Artsonia, but I've heard a lot of art teachers like that one. Yeah. And I had, I have a list of like totally selfish (laughs) questions. So thinking of fundraising, I know you've used a few different fundraising platforms or methods. Is there any that you would recommend or that you like really prefer that sort of makes your life easier while also helping you raise some money for art supplies? Oh, yeah. Artime mm-hmm. is the best one I've found out there. They set up the art show for you. They're based out of Georgia, but I think they come to any state and they frame all the kids artwork and they sell the frames for like, I think it's $19 for the flat Uh rate, but they don't charge you to come out. They make their money by selling the frames and then you can make it a fundraiser by raising the price to whatever amount. We raise it to $25. We're a title one school, so we're not going to raise it to like over 30 or anything like that. But I have heard some teachers do that in more uh, wealthy income schools. But Every time we do it, I mean, I have about 600 students and we combine it with music. So it's like an art and music night. So more people come out and every year we've made close to, I think, $900. And that's only getting $6 per frame back. But it's so worth it because, I mean, they set up the art show for you. They take it down and they they send back all the artwork that wasn't purchased in the frames. So the kids still get their artwork, even if their parents don't purchase it with the frame. Uh. But great. they're actually really nice. They're matted and framed. And nice. it's just, I that's been my favorite fundraiser because I tried to do an art show my first year all by myself with oh. pretty much no, I think I had two parents volunteer to help. And we just asked for like suggested donations. And my budget used to be pretty small when I first started at this school. But then when I started doing the Art of May and I do a fundraiser in the fall, I do Square One Art And that one I really liked a lot, too. It's kind of like they have a lot of companies that are similar to it that you can uh, they send you the paper and then the kids draw or paint a picture on it and you send it back and then they give catalogs to all the parents and the parents can purchase items that have their children's art printed on it, like coffee mugs, um, pillowcases. They even have phone cases now. And so that's always around Christmas time because it makes good Christmas gifts. (laughs) Yeah, like a holiday fundraiser. Yeah, and then the spring is the art show. So we pull in money from that. And so my budget from when I started out five years ago, it was maybe like $500. And I I have 600 kids at the school. I mean, it wasn't even a dollar per kid. It was really Uh, tough. And I was doing a lot of donors choose projects and asking for donations. But then now, I mean, my budget this year was $1,500. So compared to what I started off as like without any fundraising, really advocating for yourself and working with people 
PTA is the best way to raise your budget if you are in that situation. Yeah, that's huge because it can be it's like so much more time consuming than if you're kind of piecing together all these little like donors choose projects or trying to figure out, okay, what can I do with this tiny budget? Yes. So it's made a whole difference. Like now I get to do clay with every single grade That's at least great. once a year and buy nicer paper, right. <laughs> just get the necessities that I yeah. need without running out and spending my own money. And yeah. So it, it, I definitely encourage any teachers who don't do fundraisers to work with their PTA on that because it will really change everything about your classroom, just being able to have those materials available right. without begging. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any other tips you would give brand new teachers just starting out? I would say reaching out to others for help. Don't be scared to because like I said, my first year, I, I was too scared to ask other teachers to help me with the art show or parents. And a lot of times as art teachers, we're the only ones in our building who are teach art. And it's hard to sometimes relate with homeroom teachers, but they can still help with other things like classroom management tips and dealing with certain parents and just getting to know them. Because sometimes as art teachers, I don't know about others, but sometimes you feel like an outcast because you're not on their grade level team. And you you have your specials team, but a lot of our special mm-hmm come and go. I mean, we have art, music, PE, STEM, and Mm. we're also a French immersion school. So we have French. (laughs) But just reaching out to other teachers and especially Mm -hmm. other art teachers in your district or school system to get advice. I was really late on that. And once I kind of built a network in my district, now we all can go to each other and we have a group on our email system on Outlook 365 where we can ask questions to each other. And just reaching out to art teachers on other groups like Facebook. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of Facebook groups and reaching out for advice there and any art related questions. You can usually get about 100 responses within 24 hours. So, I mean, having that on hand is just join as many groups, I think, as you can. That would be my biggest tip. Yeah. I'm in a bunch of those Facebook groups and they've been super helpful. Definitely. I really don't know how art teachers used to do it without having like Facebook and Pinterest and coming up with lessons like this on the fly. I mean, I use Instagram mostly for getting inspiration from other art teachers. Mm -hmm. So these veteran art teachers who've been doing this for a long time, I mean, props to them without having all these social media resources on hand. Yeah, all the technology. I know. I was talking to somebody about parenting also and how, you know, you just Google everything (laughs) these days. And right. Like, how did my parents do this? (laughs) Yeah. How did they do it? (laughs) I know. But in some ways, maybe it was easier because then you don't have all this like advice telling you contradicting things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's that's a little tangent. (laughs) (laughs) Would you have I know this is something you're still kind of working on, but maybe tips even for yourself or for other teachers that are really trying to like make time for their own art. Would you have advice there? Yes. So I subscribe to something called Let's Make Art. Mm-hmm. And I, I never took a watercolors class in college and I regretted it because I just love the way watercolors look. And I was kind of upset that I never like got the chance to be taught how to use watercolors and all the different techniques. 
So I signed up for this program. It's a website called letsmakeart.com and it's a subscription or you can just buy one box at a time. But basically how it works is they send you a box with the paints, the paper and four different paintings every month. And they release a tutorial online on how Mm -hmm. to do the painting. And that has really helped me set aside time each week to like focus on that one painting and the techniques that they teach. And I'll usually make that painting and then I'll make like a second one with my own spin on it. Like once I kind of get the technique down and I'll change the background or add something else to it and try to make it my own. Yeah. But this has really helped me learn how how to use watercolors, which I've always wanted to be able to do. And I think just paying for a subscription just helps me like really set aside that time. Yeah. Because <laughs> one week, there was one month I like went three weeks without painting. I was like, oh my gosh, my next box is going to be here soon. I need to get on these paintings. And it really has just helped me just learn the different techniques and how to kind of come up with my own watercolor paintings at this point. Yeah. Um, I still am subscribed to the box because I just I love the paintings they come out with and they even have a Facebook group where people will share their work and share ideas and I think something like that has just really pushed me to set aside the time because when I just tried to make it like a New Year's resolution that I'm going to do a drawing or a painting every week. It just didn't, I wasn't able to follow through with it. Yeah. And I think having this subscription has really helped. And they just came out with a new one called Art Journaling. Mm. And I've actually thought about subscribing to that one as well. They have a lettering kit and I've never been good at calligraphy or anything like that either. So, but I'm not actually that interested in learning how to do it. So I didn't subscribe to that one, but I was kind of interested in the art journaling and what that one's about. But it's just really cool how they send you the supplies and everything you need, the instructions, and it just kind of helps you have a starting point. Right. Yeah. It's almost like being able to take a class, but like on your own sort of terms, on your own time to some extent. Yeah. Yes. And I love it. That's great. I've been wanting to do like some classes over the summer. It's hard to find classes over the summer because a lot of the like studios around here, they'll do more kids camps right. during the summer and do the adult stuff during the school year, like pottery and things like that. Yeah. You're like, what about the teachers? I know. <laughs> so that I've never gotten around to doing that because there's a couple different mm-hmm. like art centers that offer classes that I've thought about doing, but I just, I can't commit to it. And so that's why I've really loved this subscription. Yeah, nice. And just a little kind of get to know you question. What's your go to order at your favorite restaurant? Ooh, well, I love crab legs. So anywhere that (laughs) serves crab legs, I will get them and sometimes oysters. Nice. I'm a big Mm. seafood fan. So that's probably I have one restaurant by us called the Crazy Crab. And that's where I've been going a lot lately. (laughs) I think it's my new favorite. Oh, awesome. Is there anybody that you would want to give a shout out to or thank? Yeah, I would like to give a shout out to I know this is probably one of the most well known art teachers, but Cassie Stevens, really. I mean, her her podcast, I've been listening to a lot on the way to work. And I've just I've really enjoyed it. She just has so many good tips and tricks and all of these things up her sleeve. And 
she's just so creative in all her lessons. And I've, I've definitely used a lot of her lessons from her blog. I think starting out teaching, that's like was my go to was her blog. Yeah. I'm like what is Cassie Stevens teaching next week? Because I need to look. <laughs> I, I, she's just a huge inspiration for I think all art teachers out there and really promoting the arts and helping out teachers like she doesn't I'm not hating against teachers pay teachers, but she doesn't charge anything for any of her resources and handouts and videos. I love her video tutorials. Even my students, sometimes I'll play her tutorial because I'm like, she teaches it better than me. And, right. <laughs> um, and the kids actually really love like listening to her. So yeah, she's funny. She is. She has such a great way with kids. But yeah, she's probably my biggest shout out. Awesome. I've used some of her lessons too and just love how like her way with kids, I feel like. Yes. Yeah. She's she, so engaging. She really is. And I actually I'm I like jumped for joy when she actually responded, but she will be on here oh, no way. in a little while. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> Super exciting. And I've always wanted to go to NAEA so I can meet her. <laughs> I'm like, I just gotta I I need to meet you. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. There, she had a podcast episode kind of related to what we've been talking about, like teaching and mm -hmm. being an artist and is setting aside that time to really make your own artwork and not just for the classroom. And that was that was a big push for me to like start start making time at least once a week. Yeah, because I realized I was like, Oh, my God, especially after grad school, I was like, I haven't made anything for myself in years. And it's depressing. <laughs> I really need that time. I yeah. found myself to be so much happier. Like ever since I've started doing these watercolor paintings, I really just it just really helps me get out of myself and leave work at work and focus on doing my own thing. So and yeah, like we're we're artists as well as teachers. Yes. And kind of letting that be a part of us making yeah. time for that that part to come out. I also really yeah. like to show like I've never done this until this year but showing my students my own artwork and showing them that just because I'm not a famous artist doesn't make me not an artist. Because a lot of times when I'm teaching a lesson, I'll introduce a famous artist and we'll make something inspired by their themes or their process. Or And sometimes they'll say like, I want to be an artist. And I try to tell them that they are artists. They are making, I always share the Pablo Picasso quote, the every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain one once you grow up. And I started something from, it was a resource on the Art of Ed about making an art mantra for your uh, classroom. Oh, yeah. And so I started doing one and it was, it was at Art Room Glitter Fairy. And she shared one and we kind of adopted that for our classroom. And we say it at the beginning of every class now and says, uh, my mantra, I am positive, I am creative, I am mindful. I am amazing and I am an artist and they love saying that last part. Oh. And so I think it's just important telling your kids like you're here making art at least once a week in class. So you're definitely an artist too. And it's, it's funny when I showed them my own artwork, they were like, we didn't know you made your own art. And <laughs> I just never yeah. thought to share it with them. And so it's been really interesting because now they're always asking, what's your latest painting? What What's your latest work? And oh, it's exciting now. Great. So I wish I had done that sooner. Yeah, that's great. And it's such an inspiration for them, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, it actually has. They, they've been bringing things in that they've been making at home. And, oh, I love um, it. I love it, too. It makes me really excited when they bring things in from home that they're making. Yeah, that's so adorable. It is. 
I like showing them um, children's artwork too. I've been finding some like Instagrams that kids have and that they're selling their yeah. artwork. And I'm, I've been showing them that. I'm like, look, this, this girl's only 10 years old and she's, she's <laughs> already selling it. her rock paintings. And, <laughs> and then they say, Mrs. Petrocelli, but she's, if she's 10, how does she have an Instagram? You have to be so-and-so age. Yeah. And I'm like, I think her mom runs the Instagram, but she makes the art. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... But yeah, it's been definitely different now that I've been sharing my artwork online. I have my own personal Instagram and then I have my own like teacher Instagram. So I share a lot of my artwork on my personal one for like friends and family to see. Yeah. And then on my teacher one, I really just share the kids artwork. And what are those Instagrams? Where can listeners connect with you or see you? So my personal one is at Rach Petricelli. So it's just R-A-C-H and then Petricelli's P-E-T-R-U-C-E-L-L-I. And then my teacher one is at Art with Mrs. and then a period and then P. So Art with Mrs. P. <laughs> cool. So that's where you can see all my students' artwork. <laughs> yeah. And then you have a blog, like a teaching blog or a website? I do. It's just got some of my artwork and then it's got my teaching blog on it. It's petrocelliart.wixsite.com slash artsy. Cool. It's kind of long because I'm not paying for the premium, but right. <laughs> I could get rid of the Wix site, but yeah, I've, but it works. I've actually really liked Wix. I had a professor encourage me to do this during student teaching. And he said the best way to make like a teaching portfolio is to have a teaching blog. And so he told us all, it was our senior year, and he taught us to make a website either using Weebly or Wix or one of those free website builders. And that's when I started it was during student teaching. So it actually really helped me get the job that I have today because the principal I was interviewing with, I just sent her the link to my portfolio and she was able to see all the projects I did during student teaching and see it in action. And it was the best way to share that. And I even, I got the job before I even got an interview. <laughs> she was like, I loved your blog so much. Oh, <laughs> so awesome. it was, um, I've just continued it since then. I have not been very good about posting that much the last couple years, but I used to post like every project. But since a lot yeah. of times I'll repeat projects, I, I try not to repeat blog posts right. and just do like newer ones that I'm doing. And, and it is a great way to just kind of reflect on the year. And mm -hmm. um, I always do one after every art and music night and usually to promote fundraisers. So I do encourage other teachers to make a blog because it's just a great way to share with other art teachers and even for interviews. Yeah. It's a great way to share your work. And yeah, it's like an online portfolio sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed doing that. I need to get better about posting on it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. One day. Like we're, we're balancing everything. I know. That's probably the hardest yeah. part about teaching and being an artist is balancing everything and also mm -hmm. balancing family and friends. And it, it, it's hard to find that balance, but it, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much. It was so good talking with you. Thank you so much. I, I think this podcast is a great idea and I can't wait to hear what everyone else is 
responses have been. Yeah, it's been exciting so far just getting to talk with people and hear like the variety of different art practices and teaching practices that are out there and how other people juggle it all. Well, awesome. I can't wait to hear them. Yay. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, no, thank you. It was really nice talking with you. It was great talking with Rachel. I found it so inspiring how she's been making time for her own art practice little by little after realizing that not making that time really impacted her. I love the idea of the subscription that gives you a little outside push to make art, knowing you paid for this and the next one is coming. My version of that was to start a little local critique slash support group with another teaching artist, the amazing Angie Bradshaw. And it has been so helpful. Maybe your version of carving out that creative time is doing a challenge and sharing it on social media, like Austin Fabinski's 31-Day Challenge or Deborah Riley's Portrait Project. Whatever it looks like for you, if you feel yourself longing for more personal art making, find a way to make a little time for art. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or Teaching Artist Podcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of teaching artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.